You can now relive the best moments of the UEFA Champions League 24-7. The UEFA Champions League channel is a new 24-hour streaming channel serving non-stop goals, highlights, and full match replays from the world's most prestigious club competition. Reminisce on your favorite moments, legendary players, and brilliant goals with the UEFA Champions League channel, streaming around the clock on Pluto TV and the CBS Sports app. New CBS Sunday. You collect rewards, right? This is how I make my living. When something is lost, everyone's looking for something. He finds it. You strong swimmer? So-so. So-so. So-so's okay. Justin Hartley stars. How you survive, you make quick, smart decisions. If you never let panic take the wheel. Sounds cool. It is cool, actually. Very cool. Tracker. New Sunday on CBS and streaming on Paramount+. Plus. Welcome into another edition of the Gig'em 24-7 Sports Podcast. I am Andrew Hattersley, joined by Carter Carl. We got a big show to get to today. Uh, Jimbo Fisher met with the media on Monday. Texas A&M had a scrimmage over the weekend. A lot to get to, and, and we've got you covered with, with all the latest. Again, Carter is joining us. Carter, how you doing, buddy? Doing well, man. 18 days away. I'm, I'm getting excited. Let that countdown get on, right? I feel like it's going to move pretty quickly. High school football gets underway this weekend in some areas of the country. Next week, Texas high school football gets underway, and, and we'll be out on the road uh, for those games. So uh, fun times ahead. We got, a, we got a lot to get to, and we're going to jump right in and start with Jimbo Fisher's press conference on Monday afternoon. A lot of I, – I feel like he was, he was pretty optimistic and, and was painting kind of that, that – uh, Positive picture, especially up front along the offensive line and defensive line. One name I think that everybody kind of took note of that he mentioned in the press conference on multiple occasions, even when he wasn't even asked about him, was uh, Demetri- Demetrius Crownover. We've we've talked about the offensive line depth at length this offseason, just in terms of needing to have kind of another tackle step forward. Uh with with Trey Zune and Ruben Fadri there, but but the depth behind them. If this is if if Demetrius Crownover can kind of step forward into you know being a dependable option, that's big for A and M. Oh no doubt. I mean, the thing about Crownover is like when you walk into a practice, he's one of the first guys you notice. You, you yeah. just kind of amazed by how big this dude is. He's six seven three fifteen. That doesn't even seem accurate. He seems bigger than that, like with his length and his size. He like if you stand him next to Chase Pisanis, who's you know no small dude, he looks way bigger than Chase Pisanis. So that that'll kind of the comparison there is, is pretty stunning. But uh, the thing about Crownover is following the 2021 season, that's when he kind of made his transition to tackle from tight end, and he didn't expect him to to get it you know, figured out in one year. And, you know, he, he saw some time last season. He, he started a game. He played a few more. But uh, obviously didn't have it ready. And, and I think a lot of us considered him to be sort of a project, right? We've seen tight ends move to tackle many times. It, it, there have been a lot of success stories uh, from that transition. But it takes time to, to make that jump, to make that development. 
And so we thought, yeah, maybe two, maybe three years. And hey, if if this is where it's really starting to, to click for them, that is a great sign because going to the off season, probably one of the biggest things we all criticized was, wow, they're not getting a tackle from the portal. Like uh, we saw what happened last season and um, there's not a lot of experience and, and, um, and proven guys behind Trey Zune and, and Ruben Fathery. And now if you can add crowd over the mix and, you know, they've got another guy they've been selling us on is the true freshman Chase Dishonest. Uh, you feel pretty good because, you know, offensive tackle is not an easy position to stockpile on a roster. You know, they're they're very valuable. They're very hard to find. If you have a good one who's not playing, he's probably going to transfer somewhere else. So, you know, it's not hard or it's pretty hard to have a good two deep at tackle. But uh, if Crownover and Pisanis can be serviceable, then that's, that puts this O-line in a good position. And, you know, not to mention the fact that Fathery, if Trey Zun were to go down, he could slide over to left tackle and, and uh, fill that void. So um, I think you feel better about the offensive tackle depth today than you did six months ago. But it's also something that we don't get to see as much with our eyes with, with practice access. Uh, so we'll kind of figure it out if, if those guys get their opportunities. But um, it's a good sign to hear to hear what Fisher had to say about Crownover and, and what he said all offseason about Sonis. And, uh, yeah, he seemed to be in a better position for sure. No doubt. And, and, and like you said, it needs to translate over to a game, and I feel like that's going to kind of be where that uh, that Miami game is going to be telling. But I think we'll be able to kind of get a sense in the New Mexico game too because if, if there was a telling sign last year that there might be problems, it was that – Sam Houston game to start the year where you, you kind of thought they're having problems with these stunts that, that Sam Houston <laughs> of putting forward. And, and that should have been kind of that first sign that there might be some concern there, but you know, a, a strong offensive line would just do wonders for this offense. And, and especially with, you know, kind of Wigman heading into his second year, if he can kind of have a clean pocket to operate in the, you know, the, there was, there was so much pressure on the quarterback last season that, you know, if AM can kind of get get take a step forward there, it'll do a lot for this this offense. And um, you know, one of the other things that Jimbo Fisher talked about during this during his press conference on Monday was the physicality up front. And I, you know, if that if that is ringing true and that and that can that can be sustained into the season, to me that's a really positive sign too. Because if you're if you're starting to move people off the ball and you're starting to to kind of dominate the physicality up front. That's one of the things that Jimbo Fisher's kind of hung his hat on and, and to have success in the SEC, you need to be able to do that. That's another encouraging sign for sure. If that, if that is the case. Hello everyone. It's Michael Richards here. You might have seen me on CBS working on their Champions League coverage over the last couple of years. I wanted to tell you about an exciting new podcast that I've been working on. It's called the rest is football. It's me, alongside Gary Lineker and Alan Shearer, two absolute legends of the game. The show combines topical debate from the world of soccer along with outrageous tales from our careers. And I mean, outrageous. Just search The Rest is Football wherever you get your podcasts. All the best from Big Meets. Yeah, one thing with uh, this offensive line, I've been pretty interested to, to look at this, this preseason camp. There's, there's kind of this 
these two groups of thought, right? One, yeah. you need your continuity. You, you need your five. You need to know who your five are. And that they need a gel. They need to get chemistry. They need to basically work as a unit and, and know, you know, right? And, and, and bringing everybody back really helps. But what they have done this offseason is they haven't quite said, we're doing that. We're practicing like that. They are rotating yeah. guys everywhere. They're they're showing a lot of different lineups. Uh, and I think it's a way to prepare them if they were to suffer injuries. Because last season, they were not prepared. Uh, when Bryce Foster went down, they put in Matthew Wyckoff, probably one of the worst centers in the SEC. Then, you know, Trey Zoon gets hurt last year. They didn't feel confident enough to replace him. Same with Bladen Robinson. They felt that a 70% Trey Zoon or a 60% Layden Robinson, whatever you want to put it, would be better than the backup option. Then you had Aki get hurt. You had Moko get hurt. They put a true freshman and Cam Dewberry in there, who I thought played pretty well considering yeah. he's a freshman. But uh, you never want to play a true freshman in the SEC uh, on the offensive line uh, unless they're just really, really special. But um, – yeah, I think after last year, it may have given them some nightmares thinking about, okay, we, we got to prepare these guys. If, if something happens, if these guys don't have any practice reps, we're going to be screwed. And so, yeah, continuity is great. Gelling is great, all that. But you're seeing Mark Naboo get reps with first-team center, first-team guard. You, you saw Ruben Fathery in the spring start at left tackle. You see Chase Bassanis start at right tackle at times. Um, and so they've been mixing it up a little bit. And uh, I know in the scrimmage, I think they're, they're starting a line with Zoon, Dewberry, Naboo, Robinson, and Crownover. So, you know, that's a new lineup that uh, we've seen a little bit, but not much. And I know they had some guys out. Father, he didn't scrimmage. Foster didn't scrimmage. Um, and uh, – Bassanis didn't scrimmage either, so um, they they did have to kind of have that lineup. But I, I think it's telling the fact that they're rotating so much because I think they're trying to prepare them in case the worst happens this season. No doubt, and I think that's one of the things you have to take into account when you look at 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 fall camp. You're going to have guys that have nicks and bruises for for a day, and so you know when when you look at the not participating list, like that is something to. To keep in mind, every every program in the country is going to have guys that are kind of in and out of the lineup, and so uh, you know it's it's important to kind of mix and match, and and that's what a season's going to look like. So you know to start preparing for that now, pick mix in some different lineup combinations. I think this is the time to do it, and this is the time to find out between now and September second who can you trust and who can you put into in in a game, and if things start to go sideways who can you kind of turn to and, and feel good about because injuries are going to happen up front. It's, it's natural. It's, it's football. Uh, but who can you kind of rely on and can you get to maybe eight, nine, can you get to eight guys that you can kind of rely on and, and kind of have an option to tackle, have a couple options at guard that you can, you can really feel comfortable turning to um, final thing on, on that, on that first scrimmage and it was close to the media. Uh, anything else you've kind of heard any takeaways that, that uh you know you've, you've kind of started to get that that uh, coming out of this weekend 
Yeah, kind of the, the biggest buzz I heard was just about the defense, that they kind of won the day. They were stopping the run pretty well, had a couple picks, um, just didn't give up a, a ton of big plays, right? I, I think the receivers dropped some passes. Um, so, you know, that's not good. Um, yeah. And then I think the quarterbacks were about even, um, which I, I find pretty interesting. Um, you know, you, you think about expectation versus reality, right? And I think a lot of us can have this unfair expectation of like, hey, Connor Wigman had some amazing games last year, some amazing moments. He is a five-star recruit. Well, that means he's going to be top five quarterback in the SEC this year, right? And I'm, I'm just kind of like, let's temper those for now. You know, he still only played five games in his career, and he still needs to win this job. Now, I, I think he's the guy – I'd be shocked if he wasn't a starter. Um, I think it, someone on our board put it pretty pretty well. They said, like, Connor can do things that Max Johnson can't, but he hasn't exactly shown it yet, or at least not shown it enough. And so – He's shown he it in spurts. In, yeah, he's shown it in spurts, right? You also have to factor, hey, he's not fully empowered to be a playmaker in these scrimmages. It's not live. So it's not like he's running around scrambling, you know, uh, reeling off, you know, long runs or anything like that. And that's something that he can do much better than Max Johnson. But um, I think my biggest question with Wigman is sort of like we we know everything. Like we know he can do everything uh, in terms of making plays and, and making all the throws and having the quick release, having the arm strength. It's just a question of, is he really good yet? And he's, is he going to be the one making those plays? Because yeah. I think he has all the talent around him that even if he's, you know, above average, this is going to be a pretty dang good offense. If he just makes good decisions, gets the ball to his playmakers, takes care of the football, and, you know, runs when, uh, uh, you know, when it's smart to do so, this could be a good offense. You know, this could be like uh, – he could be like a, a Joe Burrow be before his big year, like his, his first year at LSU, where it's like, you know, not turning the ball over. Or maybe Kellen Mond in 2020, right? Not turning the ball, but you're moving the sticks. You're getting the ball to your playmakers. Um, you're, you're maybe like uh, – you're not a game manager, but you're a game manager plus. Um, yeah. I think that's the – where what we're seeing right now, what we're hearing. Uh, but he could he could theoretically turn that corner because with the talent that he has, once he figures it out, it's I think it will click for him where he can be that elite quarterback where he's throwing guys open, he's anticipating, he's making the plays right. He's he's the one that is the reason for the offensive success. But right now, I think because the, the offense is so loaded, the key for him is just take care of the football, get the ball to your playmakers. You know, you don't need to throw up a bunch of 50-50 balls and throw it in a bunch of tight windows. You're going to have a bunch of receivers open. You're going to have a lot of yards after the catch opportunities. Um, you're going to have a good running game. Uh, and because of your offensive line, you may need to get the ball out fairly quick. So. Uh, if they're struggling, right? So um, 
again, I, I think we got to temper expectations a little bit, but that's not to say that it won't eventually be there for him. No doubt. I mean, you just want to see somebody in these next kind of week and a half kind of step forward, right? They've, they've got another scrimmage coming up this weekend. You want to see one of these guys start to step forward and, and claim that, that job. I do feel better about the quarterback position just overall from a general perspective oh, yeah. with, with Wigman and Max Johnson. I think they can win with both of them. It's just kind of figuring out who's going to kind of step forward and be able to kind of move the ball most consistently. And, and you're right. Some of Wigman's best attributes are, are kind of the off schedule plays, right? Like some of those being able to take off and run for a first down, like he did against LSU a little bit and, you know, kind of that athleticism, maybe a sidearm throw here and there on the run. And, and, and some of those, he's, he's just, he's a very instinctive player and, but, but somebody needs to step forward and kind of, kind of take that job. And um, I think that's kind of where they are now. And, and, and that'll be kind of the storyline to watch heading into the second scrimmage. But I do think, you know, you feel better about where that quarterback position is heading into this year. And I'm with you. I think this offense has a chance to be really good. They just kind of need everything to, to come together, not only at the quarterback position, but around them as well. And, you know, one other name we have to mention on the defensive side of the ball that also kind of continued to get mentioned by Jimbo Fisher yesterday was Javon Thomas. And he, he was really raving about this, this kind of freshman defensive back room. He talked about Dalton Brooks and, and we've talked about, you know, Dalton Brooks being, being a guy that was maybe, you know, he, he, he was, he was a, a huge, huge, huge target, but kind of flies under the radar a little bit at, at times. He doesn't get mentioned maybe as much as he probably should in that defensive back room, but uh, really encouraging to have him and Javon Thomas kind of step forward. And, and, you know, it's not a surprise. I, I've always said with Javon Thomas, he just needs to stay healthy. If he stays healthy, um he is he he can be a, a total impact player uh battled some injuries as a senior but um really good player that uh is an encouraging sign Ravion Rogers is another guy that, that they've been yep. raving about um I, I really think it's funny like I think Tony Grimes was a bit underwhelming and was not as good as they expected maybe or at least as yeah. good as we expected but I think these other guys have been pretty solid and have kind of not only given you confidence about a potential starter there, but about the backups. Because remember, quarterback was one of the biggest questions. I think they lost six mm-hmm. after last season, including Jalen Jones. Uh, you felt good. Like coming in, everyone kind of thought, oh, it's Tyreek Chappelle, Tony Grimes. And then when Tony Grimes wasn't working out, it's like, oh, my gosh, not only do they not have depth, but they don't have a starter locked in. Well, you bring in Josh Teferi, who's got a ton of experience, played over 2,000 snaps at uh, Boston College. He's played inside. And Javon Thomas, like, the funny thing is, every time we ask a player, like, who has stood out to them the most among like defensive backs or secondary, or at least the newcomers, almost every single one of them mentions Javon Thomas. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I'll be fascinated to see how that competition works out. You know, I don't think Grimes is, is done. I think it's still Grimes and uh, DeBerry and Thomas kind of duking it out there. But, uh, man, it, I think you play all three of them in certain situations 
all three will see the field this year. Uh, you feel better about your depth there. You mentioned Dalton Brooks. I mean, there was a play in the scrimmage where it looked like he had a sack off the edge. Uh, they, they took a picture of it where he kind of blew past Crownover, I want to say, yeah. um, and made a play. Now, I feel bad for Dalton. Uh, yesterday, uh, they came out with that practice clip of, of Noah Thomas. <laughs> Noah Thomas of, beating uh, him. him. Yeah, that that was uh, that was tough. I mean, what can you do, man? It's it's one on one drills, and right. you see these double moves. Like Nolan Thomas just did like a little stutter step and then blew past him. Now, the the bad part was Noah Thomas got an underthrown ball and he kind of stopped, and you never saw Dalton Brooks on the screen. It was he was beat so badly that even when it was underthrown, he wasn't in the the screen uh, <laughs> to see. So not a great look, but two-on-one drills, true freshman. I think from an athletic standpoint, that guy looks like he belongs. I think you've got to feel good about the future of the secondary. Uh, and, man, yeah, those those three guys I mentioned, Thomas, Rogers, and Brooks, I think they're kind of the future for you here in the secondary. No doubt. You And you mix in guys like Bryce Anderson, Jared Kerr, um, Jacoby Matthews, uh, you just feel really good about Jar- Jordan Gilbert now heading into, um, I believe his third year. So you you start to feel really good about that kind of room that that room overall. We're gonna we're gonna touch on a couple more positions after a quick break. Um, stay tuned. Welcome back into the Gigum 24-7 Sports Podcast. I am Andrew Hattersley, joined by Carter Carls. Carter, um, some some tough news from over the weekend, obviously. Um, you reported on this on Sunday night. Donovan Green uh, lost the season with a torn ACL, unfortunately, during the scrimmage on over the weekend. And our best wishes out to Donovan Green on, on his recovery. Is is a wonderful, wonderful kid to cover during the recruiting process. and. Uh, you know, it's just it's as has has seemed to approach this in 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 the right mind early on. Put out a tweet on Monday afternoon. His family's put out some tweets as well, and and just a wonderful, wonderful kid. It really sucks. He was uh, probably he was expected to be a big contributor this year, and so that's a big void that A and M kind of has to fill in that tight end room. Um, your thoughts on how they kind of go about maybe replacing him and and who. Who kind of steps forward into that role now? Yeah, the tough thing about Green is, um, I mean, there was no one higher on that guy than me. I feel like yeah. uh, I felt like he could have been one of the best tight ends in the SEC. I felt like if he had established himself as that this season, this is you're talking about a guy who had a chance to be one of the better tight ends in A and M history. I feel like just if he was able to take that step this year, and I feel like he would have. We, we saw him in the spring, and he, he was one of the most impressive players in all spring practice. Then he comes in the preseason camp, and he's kind of running with the twos and threes, but it was really because he was kind of dealing with some, some minor injuries and, and ultimately had the ACL tear. So, yeah, prayers up for him uh, for sure. Um, the backups, you know, it, it's been interesting because you know, Max Wright's been hurt and Jake Johnson has been hurt. So that has really paved the way for 
them to get a closer look at uh, Theo Melanorstrom, the Swede. Um, yeah. I'm really excited about this guy just because anytime he makes a play, I feel like I'm going to tweet a gif of like a Swedish flag or something. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> or I'm just going to type it in, in uh, the Swede. Swiss, yeah. Swiss, Sweden, not Swiss, Sweden. Okay, so I'll, I, I might uh, tweet in their native tongue if he, he, he scores a touchdown. But uh, <laughs> no, that, that's a big kid. Um, I think Jake Johnson's been impressive to me too as far as how smooth he looks. I feel like Jake is probably the more impressive guy right now. But my question with Jake is he's been somebody that has struggled with a lot of injuries. Um, you worry, like, I think there's some PTSD with the whole Baylor Cup situation where you're like, okay, Jake, can you, can you be healthy for a whole season? I think that will be huge for him to show that this season um, and kind of step into that role because um, I think he, he has the best chance to, to do that this season among them. He just needs to stay healthy. Um, you know, Theo had what Jimbo said, eight catches in the scrimmage uh, last Saturday. Now, I was looking last at last season's PFF numbers. Jake Johnson played 41 snaps all season. 29 of them were against LSU. Theo did not play an offensive snap. And obviously, Jaden Platt hasn't played. He's a true freshman. Reno Garza hasn't seen too much time. So, you know, a lot of this is sort of projection. It's not really much of what we've seen. Um, not a lot of experience in that room beyond – Max Wright, but Jake Johnson and Theo were, were two guys that, as recruits, were two of the highest rating guys in their class. Um, A&M felt really high on them when they recruited them, obviously, um, and now that they've been in the system for a year, you'd like to think that they can take that jump. Now, there's also the, the fact of, like, as far as being blockers, like, that's still a question, right? When you're a little young and inexperienced, yeah. what can they look like as blockers? Fortunately for them, they've got Max Wright, who I think can be a very serviceable blocker. It can kind of be that guy that comes in in those short yarded situations. Um, and then I think you can mask some certain things, right? Maybe you're not using as much 12 personnel right now. You're not using much tight end set or two tight end set. Right. Um, if your room's a little thinner, a little less experienced, uh, and you you can use all those freaking receivers that you got that are so good. Yep. Um, so I think there are ways to mask this injury to where it's not that bad. Now it stinks because I think this guy could have been a really special player for him, but you can still you can hide the absence of a tight end more than you can hide the absence of really any other skill position. Um, I guess uh, beyond that, yeah, I, I I think it'll be important for these guys to get a lot of reps in the New Mexico game. You'd mm -hmm. like to see all of them play. You'd like to see all of them get pretty valuable reps because, again, not a lot of experience in that group. And uh, so that New Mexico game, I think, will be pivotal. And, again, Jake Johnson can be that guy. He's just got to stay healthy. No doubt. I think that's the biggest key with Jake Johnson. And and when you look at this tight tight end room and you look at Jake Johnson, you look at Jaden Platt, it's a really like from an eye from an eye test standpoint, 
a super impressive room just in terms of the size and the build and in, in that room they've got a lot of guys who physically um look ready to go and it's just can they stay healthy can they can they put it together on the field it's i think it's big to have max right back um from a veteran standpoint to kind of be that guy in that room that's been through it now for a couple of years um uh, and and it can kind of you feel better about having him in the in the fold um and then you know you look at at fernando garza he's been in the uh room for a couple of years now as well and and can certainly um is a guy you feel good about being able to potentially use in the run game that was the reputation he had coming out of high school if he's ready to go from that standpoint just as a blocker uh not not as much of a receiving thread um from just from what we gathered coming out of high school and i think that's kind of the way it's all it's all played out but i think there are guys that you can kind of turn to um that might be kind of a by committee sort of role but if, if jake johnson stays healthy i think i think he was ranked as the number one tight end in, in the 2022 class if i um have that right um but certainly a guy that has all the talent in the world um can 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 kind of help fill that gap and i'm with you if you if you might need to go to more you know one you know maybe potentially one tight end sets and then kind of use some of those receivers that you have and and get a little more creative on the offensive side so it's it's going to be interesting to, to kind of see how they how they kind of move that and they've got you know two weeks to kind of figure it out before you know, Mexico um, on September 2nd can use that as a game that uh, to kind of figure it out as well. And um, wanted to, to, to talk about, uh, and cause we haven't, we haven't got a chance to talk to you since you did the story. I highly encourage people to, to check it out on the, on the site it was a tremendous story. You had a great feature story on David Hicks, uh, DJ Hicks, a um, five-star recruit in this 2023 class. Um, Talk, walk, walk everybody through kind of that story and kind of that conversation with with DJ Hicks, with his family, and, and kind of what happened there. Yeah, uh, DJ and, and his dad, David, uh, first want to thank them because uh, those two were awesome. I really enjoyed getting to know them better and, and talking with them, you know, about what happened. Uh, you know, I think I probably spoke to David uh, for – over an hour uh you know it's funny he initially wanted me to uh, he said the only time i can do an interview 6 a.m uh yeah and if you know me i never get up before like 9 a.m that's just that, <laughs> that never happens but for david hicks i got up at 6 a.m uh and, and interviewed him i i told him he can call me the uh the early bird because uh, the, the early bird gets the worm uh, that's, what, that's what he was calling it but, uh, you know, I was willing to do that because this was such a just a, a great story to tell. It was something that DJ Hicks, it was near and dear to his heart because, you know, if you don't know, if this is your first time hearing about it, uh, March 19th, uh, 2022, he was uh, outside of kind of a nightclub in Dallas and he was standing around with his friends in a, in a big crowd. There was about a thousand people inside and outside of this this uh, party venue. It was a spring break party, and um, at least 
two gunmen, apparently, uh, according to kind of reports, were kind of unleashing gunfire on each other. And in the midst of all of that, there were all these people in this crowd that were kind of caught up in the crossfire. And the Hicks believed that uh, a bullet hit the concrete and because of how damaged the bullet was, that it hit the concrete and hit DJ uh, in the thigh. And what they learned later was if it had been half an inch to the left or half an inch to the right, he could have seen his life end. Like it was very close to a artery. It was very close to a bone. It could have ended his career. Um, I mean, you're talking about it coming very close to being devastating. And at that time, he the world was really his oyster, right? It was a five-star recruit, number one defensive yeah. lineman in the class. He had a scholarship offer from every major and And it was really a humbling moment for him that he learned from as far as not really taking things for granted, right? He knows now that his career could end in a heartbeat. His career, his life, you know, like you never know. If you're wrong place, wrong time, you never know what could happen. And that's especially true for a football player who on the field, I mean, you saw it with Donovan Green last Saturday. One hit, one wrong turn, that can be the season for you. And, and it just, it really stinks that that's the case. And something you have to remind yourself to, to not take things for granted. And you know, he talked about how when he went to the emergency room, that everything kind of went black for him. And when he woke up, it was because he heard this voice that was telling him everything would be okay. And it wasn't a voice that was in the room. He felt like it was God speaking to him in that moment. And he said that whole experience drew him closer to his faith. It taught him, you know, again, I keep saying not take anything for granted. He, by the third day, was running up the stairs and working out a little bit three weeks in he was working out like and that summer he was camping at schools and and trying to show hey i'm still uh i'm still the player that that i used to be and uh and kudos to the am staff you know when you hear about this because he had to tell his top schools about it mm-hmm. you might say oh man we don't know about your health status now or they might say, ooh, man, this sounds sketchy. You're, you're getting into trouble and stuff. But they heard him out, and they trusted him. And it's good that they did because all that we have heard this preseason camp is DJ Hicks is a freaking ball player. That yeah. guy, I'm telling you, he is going to be a special player. Uh, I was talking with a buddy last night. And I wouldn't be surprised if he was in the 2D at some point this season, because if you feel pretty good about your starters, right? McKinley Jackson and, uh, and Walter Nolan, you've got some veteran guys behind them and Albert Regis, Isaiah Rakes. You've also got Gabriel Brown, Dendy, DJ Hicks, man, that guy, he plays with a violence and a quickness that, uh, and he's got so much versatility to play really anywhere on the defensive line. I think he's someone that, man, he, we can look up week 10 and wow, he's in the two deep. 
or he's at least playing critical snaps as a true freshman. I don't think this is a guy who's going to redshirt this season. And so um, I think this is going to be your next great defensive tackle at A&M. Uh, that's not me saying any hot takes, right? I think everyone kind of expects that. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, it's a really, really great story. If, if you guys would, would read it, it would mean a lot. And, uh, again, thanks to DJ and his dad for, for talking. And uh, thank goodness I woke up at 6 a.m. and uh, did that interview. <laughs> it really was an incredible story just to hear his perspective and how he kind of talked about it. I really encourage people to uh, to go check it out. It was a great read and super, super thankful he's he's okay and has, and made that recovery and, and was all right coming out of it. And you're right, special player, special family. His dad is a football coach. Um over and and now athletic director over at Katie Pato ISD and so or Katie Pato High School and so you know just super thankful he ended up being okay and I I'm with you I I wouldn't be shocked at all if he is in the two deep making an impact this season I think he's he's a special special player you look at what he did at the Under Armour All American game you look at what he what he did at the Polynesian Bowl you know evaluator just kind of looked at it and thought holy smokes this kid has taken it to another level and. You know, Pato didn't have a great season last year, uh, but but D- David Hicks is is certainly a kid that um, I think has a chance to make a special impact. Oklahoma, Oregon, A and M, Texas, we're all you know all in on him, and and you know I think he he has a chance to break through and and make an impact right away for A and M. So um, really encourage everyone to check that out, and also encourage you to. Um, hit that subscribe button and hit that like button on, on YouTube to get a notification every time a new video drops. Um, thank you to everybody for joining us today and, and, and watching this. We'll have more obviously coming up as, as the season gets closer, more fall camp intel, more scrimmage intel, um, and some recruiting news as well as the season gets closer on that front as well. So until then, have a great week, everybody, and, and we'll see you guys soon. <laughs>